Hello and welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Michael Bay's new thriller, Ambulance. Mm. This film is a real throwback in my eyes to like the heyday of action in the mid-90s. Mm. You know, it's it's a high-concept film. Um, Yahya Abdul-Mateen is a former Marine whose wife needs some kind of experimental surgery. Their insurance won't pay for We see at the start of the film he's going through phone calls and phone calls and phone calls trying to get people on the phone, um, but he can't. His old friend, his brother, in fact, you get this story, or this this vague story about how they grew up together, is Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. Um, so obviously they're not biological brothers, but clearly they have this bond. Mm. He's very rich, and very quickly we understand that he's a criminal. Mm. We don't really understand exactly the kind of criminal enterprise he has, but he wants his brother, Yaya Dantin, in on this heist, mm. which we're told is worth $32 million. It's a bank job. Obviously it goes wrong, as these things tend to do. And before you know it, uh, the two brothers are the only ones left, and they're in an ambulance that uh, they've stolen, which has uh, a cop who Yaya Abdul-Mateen has accidentally... Actually, I don't think it was an accident. He definitely shot him on purpose uh, in the leg. He didn't want to kill him. Yeah. Uh, And the paramedic. Yeah, I think his brother's life was at stake, which is what... Yeah, that's right. Um, So they've got these two hostages on the run. They're trying to keep this cop alive. Obviously, all the cops in LA are after them, and... It's, one of these, it's a lot like speed. Once we're in this ambulance, it's not going to stop. And in fact, they keep on saying, we don't stop. Hmm. It's not a great film. I, and we I definitely had problems it. with it. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. So And it's ideological in all sorts of ways. I mean, it's very, very pro-military in the way that Michael Bay um, has a history of being. I mean, he's made films basically in league with the American army for years and years, you know, and, and he's used his connections with them to, well, essentially fund his films. I mean, his films have been for a long time kind of propaganda for the army and they, they uh, furnish his films with equipment and help. I hated the film. Mm. Within the first five minutes, I knew I was going to hate it. And really, it revolved around close-ups of children, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, <laughs> you, you, you hear of the Black Brothers problems with getting an operation for his wife that the insurance won't cover you know and you cut to this poor little baby with a sweet face and you think fucking hell like you know Mm. like it's almost like he doesn't know how to do anything better right and this thing of you know cutting to children cutting to dogs it's such a cheap way of earning an audience's sympathy Mm. and that's almost the only thing the film has going for it because i think it's a really stupid film Mm. and it's also a film that's made in bad faith yeah, kind of. Mm. These are people who know better. Yeah, who know that the world is not like this. That people are not like that. Yeah, it is kind of you know uh, uh, in bad faith, uh, and it's also by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a film that you know some captain of industry might have done. You could see how it's a marshalling of armies of uh, you know camera people and so on. But actually, there's no art in it at all, and it kind of pissed me off right like and it made me dizzy it's all handheld camera you know lots and lots of close-ups right and then of course all those swirling shots of cars and Mm. copters yeah and you know how how it can they can only end one way right and you know how it's going to end uh and then all the stuff between the brothers and one being black and one being white it just felt like so manipulative and the thing with the children felt so manipulative. And the thing with the cops felt so manipulative. It's, I hated it. <laughs> mm. um, I want to clarify what I said right at the start about, about the militaristic 
aspect of it because it's not a film about the military it's a film about the police um, but obviously what I'm talking about is the main character Yaya Abdul-Mateen's character Will um, being this ex-marine and you get this close-up of the folded flag at the start and the folded flag I, I, I think it's not his folded flag right because that's given to well that's about soldiers who have died mm. in service right so I think it must be one of his former uh, colleagues um, but this is not a story that you get, right? You're just given this flag, and it's kind of it's meant to evoke this whole um, symbolism about what the army means mm. and the service to the country and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and there is this there is this soldiery close up that you get, which is where he reunites with his brother uh, Danny, which is Judge Hall's character, and Danny's kind of criticizing him for having gone into the army. And then you get this, it's the very, it's the Michael Bay thing of the low angle, mm. um, looking up the hero shots, and the music swells in the background as Will says, it gave me purpose, mm. and I knew what I was getting into. You know, it has, you know, so it has that. Um, if you've ever seen, as I'm sure you have, and I'm sure many of the listeners have, the uh, Every Frame of Painting essay on Bayhem, which is this thing about how does Michael Bay conceive of the world he creates, how does he shoot his action, how does he make his movies, what is his aesthetic. That video essay is absolutely a key to understanding the way this film looks and the way it's made. All of those all of those low angles, the way I think one of the things that Tony Joe says in that essay is how he never distinguishes when to use a particular kind of shot and when not to. Like everything is of the same high intensity all the time. Mm. To a degree that actually makes this film work because this film is conceived of being high intensity throughout. Like I say, I think the connection to speed, which is not a Michael Bay film, I can't remember the director, Jan someone? Uh, Jan de Bon or something? Yeah, Jan de Bon, I think. Um, well, the connection to speed in terms of its high concept-ness is very clear. And the thing about it is once the action ramps up, it doesn't let up throughout. So in a sense, it kind of makes sense for Michael Bay because that is him through and through. And if he ever has to try and like lower the tone, it doesn't really work. Here, he never has to. I mean, I think I think the comparison to speed is a good one in the sense that you know it is an ambulance on the move that can't stop. Yeah. But I think in relation to everything else, it's you know it's, it's an not inferior ad. film to speed. It's a vastly inferior film in every sense. Mm. This is a very trashy film. Yeah. Right? So Jake Gyllenhaal, who's the star of the film, obviously. Uh, gets a star entrance, right? Mm. So you see his feet coming forward, and yeah, and then you get this huge close-up of Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. and then on top of that, they turn out to be brothers, right? So yeah, it's a build-up to a star uh, entrance, right? But everything else about about it, and even what that signifies, is a problem. So Jake Gyllenhaal is the uh, star of the film, yet actually he's the villain which is possibly why Jake Gyllenhaal wanted to do the part, right? Yet, really, the film is uh, about the... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, so it should be his film. So it means that, in a way, the film is unbalanced because too much attention is given to Jake Gyllenhaal in terms of, yeah, the weight that he brings to the narrative, right? Now, I don't think this is a, a film that's very concerned with narrative. It really is kind of mainly concerned with action, mm. right? But actually, I think it fails on both levels because I found the action completely boring and tiresome, right? Like, after the first helicopter chase, they're all the same, right? So you mm. feel you're on that high-pitched, uh, uh, close-up, quick-cutting yeah, intensity throughout without any let-up, and I found it dull, yeah? 
I tune out the film three times, and all three times were during action, mm. where you kind of you've, you. It's that thing of lost time. You mm. sometimes get this when you're driving, mm. um, where you you wind up at home and you go, "How did I get here?" And it's because you've been on the routine. Mm. You know, you probably get it get, getting on the bus every day, sort sure. of thing. You go, "How did I wind up at work?" I, you can't remember the trip beforehand. The action in this film has parts like that where all of a sudden they're wherever the fuck they are to be honest mm. for instance when they end up under the bridge in the in the mm. um, the river there's this thing about they did some move to to shake the cops and i kind of woke up at the point where they're going wow what a move mm. and i'm going oh shit oh shit i missed the move what was the move? you know mm. because the action had been just 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 put me into a trance um so it's not that it's kind of incompetent it's kind of the way this action always just looks and is but it's not involving there's not enough that's interesting about it. Um, there's not enough in a story sense. That's you know, you, you, there's not enough about the stakes. Like there are moments where actually things get intensified in a way that really works for me. Like doing the surgery on the cop uh, in the back of the tr- in the back of the ambulance to get the bullet out yes. while they're going at high speed and, the, and you know I, I can only slow down so much and blah blah blah. Like these things kind of work for me, and, and in a sense, I know it worked for you because you were going oh at the I know. image. I recoiled. It's quite gruesome, but I also thought it was cheap. Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's not cheap, um. but I'm saying there are things that work. Mm. I do disagree with you about the balance between the stars. So ah. it's definitely definitely introduced as Yahya Abdul Mateen's film and his story. He's the one we see right at the start. He and starts it and he ends it. Exactly. It's definitely his story. Definitely. And the brother. Uh, is given, as you say, a star entrance. You know, the garage door opening slowly and the light coming through and then he's, and the close-up on his face when we finally see him and he's saying some some witty or you know, interesting line that gives you the Jake Gyllenhaal attitude entrance, right? Um, but I think the film is very well balanced between the two of them because actually it's about them as brothers. The problem that I have is that it's it's all about their bond, right? Their bond as brothers and the fact that people don't buy into it but they believe it completely. We grew up as brothers. So, for instance, right at the start, when Yaya Abdul-Mateen is introduced to all Jack General Hall's guys who are going mm. on this heist, they're like, you don't look like brothers. And, the, and in fact, it's the one time in the film where Jack General Hall really needs a witty line that he doesn't have. Mm. Where he just says, oh, very original. Right? But the point is, they, they're brothers. And they believe it. it. doesn't matter who the fuck else believes it. Mm. They're brothers. And it's also the reason that Yaya Abdul-Mateen keeps on giving up opportunities to get out of the chase and go home. Mm. Even though you think, okay, okay, by this point the cops know who he is and he's not getting away from this. But that's not the reason he stays, because he's in too deep. The reason he stays is because you're my brother. Yes. Right? The issue is that all we get is a very, very small couple of shots at the start of the film where we see the two of them as like eight-year-old boys hanging out. Mm. And then before you know it, they're grown up and they're reuniting after several years. We don't know why they didn't connect, but maybe it's the army, I don't know. All we get after that is dialogue that tells us that they have a bond. It doesn't even explain the bond. It just tells us that they have a bond, having grown up together. It's not enough. It's not enough to buy into. I mean, all of that in the film, in a way, doesn't work. Right? So I I did buy into it in Mm. the sense that, you know, uh, the shooting of all of the Latino gang, yeah, is the Jake Gyllenhaal's character sacrifice for his brother. But then if you count all of those moments yeah all of the moments that yaya changes his mind and all and that moment with jake and so on then actually the shooting at the end does spoiler doesn't make sense <laughs> to me yeah i have to shooting his brother to yeah. save the paramedic that's right mm. you know so so and i do think it's imbalanced because i think there is this difference i mean you're quite right but we agree mm. you know the story is about yaya 
but all the close-ups, all the gloss, you know, all the transformational moments, right? All the changes in character, those are all given to Jake. Yeah. Uh, and there's something, I think, um, quite racist about that. Yeah, unthought through. Because here is the story about a black man, yeah, which takes care then to have all of these Latinos in it, except, you know, they're just the evil gang, right? And I think Eliza Gonzalez, obviously, is also, you know, Alex. Aza, is that her name? Aza Gonzalez? Aza Gonzalez, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the paramedic. That's right. Yeah, she's the lead female role in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the other hand, kind of, you give everything you know, to the white guy, who on top of that is the villain, right? Like, mm. Yeah? So I think there's something kind of really unthought through about all of that, really. And I think uh, uh, the Yaya character should have been given more moments. And I, by that, I don't just mean moments of characterization, you know, like, like the talk with his wife at the end, yeah, which happens almost too late. All you've seen him do until mm. then is react, react to his brother, react to the situation, say, no, get me out of here, mm. right? Yeah? So I think he should, have been, he, he should have been given his own star moments, his own glossy close-ups, right? He, yeah, because... He should have been given more agency as a character, I think. More ultimately. agency as a character and more production value, right? Because, you know, Jake, his blue eyes are lit up. I mean, there's been great care taken of how he's photographed and so on. So it's not just about the scenes that are written for him, mm. but also how those scenes are filmed. You know, and I, I don't think uh, the brother gets anything like that kind of treatment. And yet the film is about him. I can see what you mean. I'm not sure I entirely agree, though. I think, I think both in the way that the, the film tells their stories and the way in which it shoots them, I think there is much more balance between two of them than you're suggesting. I think it's I a felt. really racist film in, in those ways, right? I mean, I'm sure it's unconscious. You know, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they were out to make a Ebony and Ivory film, as you said, yeah. right? But I think, you know, if you look at it more carefully, it's really racist. I, I can see the argument. Uh, I'm not sure I totally agree. But, I mean, what I would say is that as as Michael Bay's films go, this one is about as progressive as I've ever seen. Well, but... As in the effort is kind of there. I think the effort is is kind of there. But then you do see all the militarism, all the brutality. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, let's talk about the sound because I mean, it was driving me crazy because along with the intensity of the cutting and the close-ups and the movement of helicopters and so on, there's a drumming, like a kind of a Japanese drumming, pom, 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 mm. right? I was just like, ugh. Yeah, well, I think you're thinking of the, of the music that rounds off the film where it's all winding up and it goes, pom, pom, and it's getting intenser and intenser. You think, wow, that's, you know, it is, yeah, it's quite militaristic. Um, and it's, it's trying to get kind of and they get the heart pumping or whatever. Um, it's a film that, in that sense, you just kind of see through. You know, um, there's nothing it's doing that's subtle. To there's nothing the that's doing that's subtle, and there's nothing that it's doing that's human. You know, uh, and mm. I think that's a problem because you know, I mean, Jesus, if you're going to have close-ups of babies. At least let them work. Yeah, you know, tug at the heartstrings. Yeah. Mm, I, yes. Well, actually, I think you might scoff at me for this, but actually, right at the start of the film, um, I was quite moved. Um, I found the opening quite compelling, and it's not just partially the Ayat Abdul Mateen character 
fighting for his wife on the phone and the, and the, because the thing about the system that he has to deal with he gets he finally gets someone on the phone a human and then he says what's your name and she says I'm 12 mm. you know so even the people on the phone because he says oh that's funny I spoke to 11 and 13 just before so the people he's getting on the phone are it's the best that, it's the best scene in the film yeah but then uh, you're also after that given an introduction to the paramedic character Aza Gonzalez and she's attending a car accident scene uh, and this little girl, who must be five years old maybe, is trapped in the back of the car. She's got a huge like metal pole stuck through her side. And, okay, I know you're rolling your eyes and think, oh, this is just, you know, just manipulative or whatever. But, actually, the way in which it's played, the little girl is very scared. We don't know where her mum is. Her mum might be dead for all we know. And the paramedic, the way she's talking to her, the way she's handling the situation, you think, I... I I've started to get emotional about the way she was handling this kid, the way and the thought of what of, of what this kid was experiencing. What it does is undercut it ultimately by when she hands the uh, patient over to the doctors and he's taken away and and uh, Ada Gonzalez is left back on her own. She goes, "Okay, let's get some enchiladas." Like it undercuts it by saying, "Once it's done, you forget about the kid." And what it ultimately does is give is give her the moment of going back to the kid at the end of the film, saying she's changed because something matters to her, which is. Yeah, but right at the start of the film, that was working for me. Well, not for me. I mean, you know, you have one baby, and then you go to another, and you know, and then like the dog comes in later. I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like stupid. And I never, I never thought the dog was used like that. Uh, Dog's I, used for a laugh, I think. No, well, the dog is used for a laugh. Uh, uh, you know, it is used for a laugh. Uh, but that I think is also a kind of a sign of like the poverty of imagination and, <laughs> and skill and so on that you have to resort to that kind of thing. And it bothered me even more because of course the way that the film starts, you know, at the heart of the film should be this critique of the American health system. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't allow people to get treatment. And instead what you have is like making all of them and the police into heroes. Mm-hmm. Right? And I just think Yeah. I mean, that is part of a fundamental problem, but there are, there are problems on every level of this stupid, tiresome film. Have you seen the film Unstoppable, directed by uh, Tony Scott? I think so, yes. It's really good. And what, what I would say is, if you're looking for a film that's like, like this, but good, watch Unstoppable. That's the film from, I want to say, 2007 or ish. Mm, it's the one um, on the train? Yeah, so there's, there's this runaway train and Denzel Washington and Chris Pine, Denzel Washington's the old hand on the trains, Chris Pine is the new hand on the trains and they essentially end up teaming up together to go chase down this train and stop it. And it has this whole blue collar, people working to support their families mm. kind of vibe, but it feels really, I, I mean, you might also say, it's a while since I've seen it, it may also feel manipulative in some ways, but I, I remember it feeling really honest, really interested in its kind of milieu, and as you say, what you're expecting at the start of this film when he's on the phone to the insurance company, you're expecting this critique of the American system, basically, that keeps people down, keeps people from being able to get help for their families and so on and so forth, that you don't get in this film. I'm not saying that film's all about that, but Unstoppable has much more of an honest kind of feel around trying to express what basically American working life is like and mm. what people's lives are like. Anyway, I certainly liked it uh, a lot more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, very disappointing film, and I actually I found it quite dull. Uh, you know, there's a sense in which all the high pitchedness, all the action, all the noise, and whatever, you know, just knocks you over really, and you don't care about any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye-bye.